Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Morning, Hope Rock Church. Man, that was good. Man, I don't know. I'm just, uh, I still think I'm stuck in a little bit of worship here, so excuse me if I sound a little bit shaky, but that was pretty awesome. Thank you, band. Thank you, worship team. This is the worship team here. They get to lead us, but you guys are the team, so good job. Uh, and thank you, Lord, for showing up. I mean, He's always here, but sometimes He gives us a special little reminder that He is so close. So, yeah, I'm just grateful. So just a quick few announcements before we hand over to Charlie, who's going to bring the fire this morning. Hallelujah, Charlie. Amen. Amen. So Christmas impact update. So far, we're at $31,000. God has been good to us. As you know, we're going to continue this throughout the end of December. Uh, and so I just want to give the Lord a hand. Can we give the Lord a hand so far for what he's done? Uh, he's really just showing up and giving us more and clearer direction for what he wants to do in this church next year. Don't forget this week, Wednesday and Thursday are our carol services. Wednesday at 6 p.m., Thursday at 5 p.m. If you haven't invited somebody yet, there are still some invitations on the chairs. Please take some and send them out to your neighbors, your friends, people that you know would desperately or desperately need to be here, but also people that might never have gone to church. Just invite everyone. And also just next week, Sunday, uh, it wasn't in the email of this week, but there is no church next week, Sunday. So that's for everybody here as well as everyone online. There is, going to, there is not going to be a meeting next week, Sunday. We've decided to close next week, Sunday, to give our volunteers a long weekend off for Christmas. Uh, and so please don't come here because if you do, you're going to be really alone. Uh, and if you're online and you're waiting, it's also going to be quite miserable. So there is going to be no meeting next week, Sunday. It doesn't mean God's not moving. Spend the time with your family. Connect with the people that you love. Always praise God in all things, all the time. And then we just want to spend a few minutes welcoming in some new families. So for those of you that are new to Hope Rock, Hope Rock Church, don't know who we are. I think pretty much everyone here does. But uh, we like to get into covenant relationship with the people that want to connect with us as our members or family members. What that means is we know that there's a certain commitment that gets made between us as a church and people when you join a church. We pray for you, we endeavor to lead you, to shepherd you, but everybody in the room joins this relationship. And so we celebrate this opportunity. We've got a bunch of families that we need to introduce or at least welcome in. We're going to do some today and then some in the new year because people are out traveling and just unavailable today. So can I ask the Infantes and the Shabos to please come up? Uh, if your kids are with you, bring them up. If they're not with you, we'll trust uh, for them in the spirit as well because I'm sure they're next door. At least we hope they're next door. Otherwise, we don't know where they are. Come on up, guys. Yes, Charlie and Crystal are here. So, Hope Rock Church and everybody online, move over a little bit more so we can get them all in the frame here. Yeah? Jim's there, getting everyone in the frame. This is the new families, the Shabos over there on the left-hand side of me. Maybe if we could just go around and you guys just give a quick introduction, who you are, your name, and your family. It'll be great. Um, Carrie Shabbat, and um, yeah, we've been here since um, September. Thank you. I'm Owen, and I'm 14. Yay. Jason, I'm the dad. I'm Ryan, I'm 10. I'm Evan Infante, and uh, we have two kids in there, a seven-year-old son and a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Krista Infante. Great. Well, let me tell you, Evan's name is actually Arben the Terrible, so if he loves going by that name, right, Arben? <laughs> so as a church, we value our, our family members, and we want to make you know 
that, well, we want to let you know that we are committing to you as a church to pray for you, to shepherd you, to look after you, and to be there for you and your children as you journey with us. We know that the Lord has got big things in store for each and every one of you in this local church for as long as the season lasts, and we trust that the Lord will reveal to you what His plans and purposes are for you here. We know that there's a deposit in each and every one of you that God gave you specifically for us. And so we're looking forward to those deposits coming through. We've seen them already. You guys are already a blessing to us. So we want to just lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, and then, yeah, just celebrate this journey. If you don't know them, have never had them in your house, want to get to know them, please get to know them. Now you know who they are. Um, and if you don't invite them over for dinner, they'll tell us, and then we'll know that you guys are being naughty. So Charlie, Crystal, Kat, you want to come lay hands on them, and we'll just pray. Thank you, Charlie. Father, we lift up these beautiful families, Lord, to you today. We thank you for the Shabos or the Shabbats, as well as the Infantes. We thank you for these children and all the children that are not represented here in this room. We pray, Lord, that you would bless them, protect them. We pray, Lord, that as a church, we come into covenant relationship with them and they do with us. And what that means is that we are in relational integrity with one another. Give us the strength to lead them, to guide them, to shepherd them, and to protect them. And I pray, Lord, that in this season, you will bring in them all the gifts and the deposits that you've entrusted them to full fruition in this local church. We pray protection over them over the season, and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Okay, over to you, Charlie. Okay, no spiffy bump videos. What's up with that? <laughs> How am I supposed to preach without a bump video? <sighs> Is it possible? I don't know. Maybe so. Okay, so, wow, I really feel like this is, like, crazy hot. So if you can just turn me down. I hate hearing myself just echo through. That's better. Thank you. Um, some say potato, some say potato. You say shabot, and they say shabato, right? All right. Glad to have all of you all with us. It's exciting. Um, yeah, so I'm contrary to some opinions. I'm not old enough to have been around during World War II. And uh, Mark was. Um, <laughs> boom. And, but uh, my dad was. And he was a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid during World War II. And so I grew up hearing lots of stories about what it was like to live in the middle of a world war that had completely, I mean, there was nobody that was unaffected by this experience. As he talked about, he tells me about, a, there was, you couldn't buy rubber tires. And so what some people, he said, one friend that they had, instead of buying new tires because you couldn't get them, he would just buy a new car because it would come with new tires. So he'd go buy a car so he could have tires. And one guy, he said, there was a guy that drove around Ponca City, Oklahoma, where I was born, uh, on rims because you couldn't get tires. So he said, you'd hear him coming. You know, and they had brick streets. And so it was just a really a, a big mess. And so he talked a lot about uh, not having sugar. Uh, so no candy. And as a kid, it was like, no candy. Ah. And so as soon as the war was over, uh, he rotted his teeth. Um, and so now he doesn't have his teeth. But um, anyway, that's just a whole other deal. And then when my son Zach was about 11 or 12, he had to do a project where he was supposed to and his project had something to do with World War II. And there was a man in our church at Bannockburn, Ray Brown, who was just an amazing saint. 
uh, has since gone on to be with Jesus. But Zach and I sat in his kitchen as Zach interviewed him and talked to him and let him tell us about his experience in the Battle of the Bulge and uh, in Europe as, as they went, you know, you know, prosecuted this horrible world war. And, uh, and it's just, so it just kind of, you know, for me, you know, I was just like, that is just as close as I get to this war. And, and that, you know, that was like the last war that really people just, everybody suffered and felt, you know, now we look at a war and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah there's a war going on over there. <laughs> you know, and we're just like, okay, back to business. And, uh, but then if there was a war going on, it was going on. And, uh, and so here I am, you know, my topic is peace. And, uh, and I found this image, uh, you know, from the Charlotte Observer back in the day. There it is. Way to keep up. Good job, buddy. Um, and uh, and it's just like you can find all sorts of images online about, you know, peace. It's over. It's over. The Japanese will surrender. Da, 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 you know, VE Day, D-Day, blah, blah, blah. And all of these images and pictures. And then I, I got into, I kind of went down the rabbit hole and started looking at pictures from, you know, Auschwitz and other places. And I was just like, oh, the ravage of war uh, that was just overwhelming for me, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to show any of those pictures, um, you know, but the thing is, you know, since my topic is, is peace during Advent, you know, peace is really meaningless without a, uh, a grasp of war. I mean, if you don't see yourself as being in a war, then peace is really useless to you. And so we say, you know, we sing, peace on earth, goodwill to men, uh, hello, time out. The whole story in Luke chapter 2, let's just set it up right now, uh, is set in military terms, but we don't think of it that way. We think of it in, instead of, you know, military terms, we think of it in uh, more like uh, maternity ward, you know. Everybody loves to go to the maternity ward and look through the glass, you know. In fact, you know, Crystal and I and Audrey are waiting for my oldest to uh, just, you know, any day now, boom, she is like, ready to pop. It's coming. This next baby and the boys are like, yeah, little jackhammer, come on out. They've already named him. And it's like, sorry, mom, this is his name, uh, jackhammer. Um, and so, you know, they're waiting for the birth of this child. And, uh, and the whole nation of Israel was waiting for the birth of the Messiah who was supposed to save them from this war that they were in. And he comes to save us from the same war because we are at war. Some of us, James 4 says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Some of us are just at war within ourselves and may not even know it. And we keep wondering why we keep falling over and why we keep, you know, finding ourselves in a ditch somewhere. It's because we're at war within ourselves. Um, but then he goes on and says, you desire, do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. I was like, I mean, some of us need to, you know, we got to stop and check and say, you know, am I uh, 
at war with God? That's not a really good foe. You don't want to be there. Uh, I mean, I pretty much say that would be kind of the worst war you could be in. Um, having God as your enemy is a terrible thing. And, uh, and that's a reality for many. Um, that I mean, they're at war. Um, but I think, you know, because of this war that wages within us, this war that, you know, when we get quiet, you know, we feel this, oh, this honor. This, oh, you know, what's going on? What, oh, ah, you know, and not to mention the whole, you know, everybody, you know, I would be able to miss if I didn't say coronavirus, ah, you know, that's been like the worst, you know, know, what do we do with this thing? It's just like, oh, you hate it. Um, But, you know, it just feels like we're at war with each other sometimes and we're at war with this invisible virus and, and all that, and our souls just are desperate for peace. I just think we're desperate for peace. And the more we see ourselves in this war, the more we see ourselves in peace. And I just think, you know, if you just go back and look at images and video of people that were, you know, in the middle of occupied Europe, wishing for peace, longing for peace. And when it finally came, you know, when liberators came to Dachau, you know, and brought peace, you know, that's just, you know, this is where Jesus was born into for us. He's born into this horrible thing. I mean, the, the Israelites at the time were occupied by the biggest, meanest, most vicious army country known to man at the time, the Romans. I mean, they you know, Jesus wasn't born into this, you know, happy, peaceful little place. I mean, the whole reason that Jesus ended up being born in Bethlehem was because the occupying forces said, you will go to your home country and you will register so we can take your money and know who you are and, and, and control you. That's what Jesus was born into, was this environment. And so he comes to us in, and he brings peace. So anyway, I think we all want what King David, who was a worshiping warrior and shepherd, okay, important things to note, uh, he says in Psalms 4, 7, and 8, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Here is a man who knew battle who knew what it was to be pursued and hunted by his own king, says, you, O Lord, will make me lie down and sleep in peace. Mm, Make me dwell in safety. So I just wanted to kind of look at this path of peace that peace takes through the Bible and, and, and through Bethlehem today. So we're just going to, I'm going to zip, zippity zip, hopefully. We're going to try to zip. Um, so this path of the path of peace. So we have it. It's promised, okay? It's proclaimed, and then it's provided. And uh, and I, you know, if nothing else, guys, I just want I just want us all to see Luke chapter two from a different perspective, from the perspective uh, we were in a war and now we have peace, and Jesus brought it. So first of all, let's just look real quick at the peace proclaimed. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, we've, we've seen this scripture a few times this month already. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
I mean, that's a promise. That's remarkable. Of the increase of his peace, there will be no end. You know, when Jesus, oh, we'll get to Jesus in a minute, but uh, that, you know, was just here he comes. Um, so then we find the fulfillment in the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And I'll tell you, you know, just out of, you know, just for fun this year, I decided, you know, that I would memorize the little Christmas quote that Linus does in Charlie Brown Christmas, you know. You know what I'm talking about? Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, right, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Oh, I like that. Came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. I love that. You know, we don't say sore afraid anymore, but that means you're so scared it hurts. Okay? That's what I think. I'm so scared it hurts. And so here they are. So so we find this in Luke chapter 2, you know, that Mary and Joseph had forcibly been sent to Bethlehem where there was no place for them to give birth to their child. And here she is. It says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You just have to stop for a second and consider the swaddling clothes thing. I mean, we just kind of look over that, right? Swaddling clothes, oh, it's so nice. Babies, oh, so cute. You know, that's how we kind of roll with that, you know? Babies, they look so cute when they're all wrapped up and cuddly. And, uh, but why do people swaddle babies? It's because they are not at peace. The baby is in turmoil, and that baby needs to be comforted and needs to be secured. And so here, people, the creator of the universe, John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things that came into being came in through him, okay? That creator who, Proverbs, I mean, Philippians says he emptied himself and took the form of a servant. Okay, I just don't get this. That the creator of the universe would pulled himself down and stuffed himself in a baby and felt what it was to not be at peace. And his mama swaddled him. God went for the first moment of peace that you, lack of peace that you and I experienced and said, I'm going to bring peace to the whole situation. I have felt your war. I know what it is to not be at peace. And so he, boom, right there into Luke chapter 2, um, the creator of the universe needed swaddling clothes. But what's even more amazing to me in that is if you look at Colossians 1, 15 through 17, Bible says he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So scripture teaches that the universe, which nobody can figure out why it doesn't fly apart, holds together 
because the word of Jesus holds it together. Jesus, the word of God, is holding the universe together. And so at that moment that he needed to be swaddled, he was still holding the universe together and experiencing what it is for us to be not at peace. Blows my mind. Right? Come on. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, you know, slide. I thought I put this all nice and spiffy. While Jesus was upholding all of creation, he was experiencing our earliest need for peace. As an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes, he was holding together. The swaddling clothes that swaddled him, he was holding them together. I can't even really wrap my head around that, and so don't try. Um, But let's look at the peace proclaimed. So then we get to Luke chapter 2, verse 8 and following. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. I like the King James Version, came upon them. <laughs> right? You know, it's, it's different to, you know, for something to appear. But when something comes upon you, boom, it's in your face. There's no getting away from it. And so I was just like, and the angel of the Lord came upon them, and there was no escape. Right? Whoo, come on. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. So, first of all, I think this angel had been waiting since the fall of mankind to come and do this moment. He was like, Is it time? Is it time? Do I, am I ready? Am I re- are we ready? Is it now? Is it now? And God's like, Go now. And he's like, yeah, came upon them like, boom. It says, guess what? It's finally here. And so I'm just like, I think the angel was just like, come on. And so what he says was, is this, this is weird in Greek. It's really crazy because he goes, I, I, uangelizomai, great joy. Okay. So this word evangelism that we use comes from this Greek word, you know, uangelo, uangelio, yabbidio, okay? So, but basically what he says was, which means to bring good news, okay? So he's like, uangelio, great joy to you. You know, he was like, yes, I've been waiting for this. And that's a military term because there was this guy in the Old, in, in the old Testament, whenever there was a battle, there was a guy and he was the Uengelion and he would run back to the king to tell them, we won, we won, we won. Okay. That was his, that was his job. And this angel is like, I'm the Uengelion. Yes. Boom. You know, after all these centuries, I'm finally there. Boom, guys, over there in Bethlehem. You know, so there it was. I was just like, oh, this is so amazing. And, uh, and so here he is. And he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes hmm, and lying in a manger. And suddenly, suddenly, okay, you just got to imagine this. I mean, suddenly is not just like, and here it comes. You know, they didn't come in on donkeys. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, suddenly. Okay, if you go back to Second Kings 
and just check this out sometime. I didn't put this verse up for you, but uh, there was a moment when Elisha was being pursued by enemy forces, and his little servant guy is like, Elisha, we're in big trouble. We're surrounded. You know, and Elisha's like, oh, my gosh. Do you not know that the people that are with us are greater than this horde of army? And he was like, no, man, here's your coffee. And so Elisha says that Elisha prayed and said, God, open his eyes so that he can see. And he opened his eyes, and there was on the hill all around them a multitude of angels with fire and swords on horses, just like, we're ready, we're ready, we're ready. Turn us loose, turn us loose. And the guy looked, it's like, oh, well, all right. We're good, right? Before, he, before that, they were not good. And so sometimes we just don't have peace because we don't see. You know what I'm saying? So, but anyway, um, so suddenly they couldn't wait to show this. I could just picture them. They're just like waiting, you know, back here. And it's like, okay, now, 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 now. And it's like, boom, out of the tunnel, they come running onto the field. Ah! You know, and, and away they came and uh, announcing the greatest act in all of eternity, people. They were announcing the greatest act in all of eternity, that the Messiah had come to bring peace to us. Okay, so so this multitude, whoo. So, but then I had to ask the question, why would the angel show up to shepherds? To, I mean, why would you go to shepherds? Because back then, I mean, nobody liked shepherds. I mean, shepherds were nobody. Shepherds were gross. Shepherds took care of stinky, nasty sheep. And so they were out, always away. In fact, David, King David was a shepherd. You remember when uh, Samuel came to anoint, you know, a new king? And so David's dad paraded all his brothers and left. You know, it's like David, you know, David's just a shepherd. You know, he wouldn't be the guy, you know. And Samuel said, do you have any more sons? Well, yeah, we've got David, but, you know, he's just a shepherd, you know. He's just out there with the sheep, you know. So even his own dad thought he was just useless, you know. So here's a shepherd. You know, they were not the powerful. They were not the respected leader. They were not the religious folks. But yet Jesus, the great shepherd, had a special place in his heart for the least, for the humble, for the shepherds. So cool, so cool. So here's David, the worshiping shepherd king, gives us insight into why I think that Jesus' birth was announced to all the shepherds. And it goes without saying, my favorite scripture, right? Jesse, here we go, right? Psalm 19, verse 1 and 2, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. And where were the shepherds? They were out in the fields at night, keeping watch over their flocks. And what happens at night in Jerusalem where there is no light pollution? They see lots of stars. They spend a lot of time staring up at the sky, wondering, what is this creator that made all this? So here's the shepherds who have been sp who spent their life not knowing that they're being prepared for the greatest revelation of glory to be brought to them. Here they are, and oh my gosh, look at those stars. We're about to go to Big Bend and check out some stars uh, in a couple weeks, and it's going to be amazing. But, guys, there they were, spending countless hours looking at the, the night sky. Perhaps the shepherds had hearts that were prepared for his magnificent announcement by countless hours of stargazing. 
in the fields at night, perhaps. You know, so I have to ask this question to you. Uh, you know, this morning I was just going through this, and I was like, and I thought, ooh, you know, if you spend too much time looking inward, or if you spend too much time looking down, you're going to miss the glory of God and find peace escapes you. It's just how it is. You know, you're going to have to get up out of your screens. You know what I'm talking about? And start looking around. Uh, look up, guys. The stars cause us to wonder about the glory of God. So Jesus, I think he reveals his glory to those who seek it and marvel at it. And so then verse 15 says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, this just sounds so, you know, passe, you know. The shepherds said, okay, well, let's go over to Bethlehem. See these things that's happened, which the Lord's made known to us. I'm thinking it was like, oh, my gosh, we have to go. We've got to go now. And so, boom, they went. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to just get online and watch the Chosen Christmas special thing, there's like, it's like 15 minutes. It will blow your mind because it just, it just brings this whole passage to life. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. But anyway, it says, let's go and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. All of a sudden, the shepherds who knew that in society they were nobody, knew that God saw them as somebody. Mm. He said, the Lord has made known him to us. And if he has made known himself to you, people, that's big. That's a big thing at Christmas, right? This is a big thing. And they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told him. So first we have the first evangelist, this angel is like, I'm doing Gilead. And then these guys, the shepherds, were the next ones. And they went and they told, and everybody wondered at what it was that they had said to them. And they were just like, are you kidding? This is it. This is the moment. This is it. The Prince of Peace was revealed to those who only appeared to have little to offer. They were transformed into the first human heralds of the gospel. So my question is, you know, guys, I mean, how does the birth of Christ motivate your mission? It should motivate our mission, right? I mean, we're on a, we have been, it's been revealed to us. We have this mission. We're like the shepherds. People need to hear this thing. So now let's fast forward to the end of Jesus' life on earth and look at the peace provided in John 14. Here's what he said. These things I've spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And then look what he said. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The peace of Christ that is infinitely greater than our circumstances. He says, this is what I give you. I give you this peace. The world can't provide the peace that every soul needs. Every soul is at, is at war. It's at war, and they need this peace. They need peace that casts out fear. But then we move on down to John 20, verse 19, and it says, on the evening of the first day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Okay, so this is at the end, after the resurrection, all the disciples are like, well, we're in big trouble. You know, 
because these Romans are coming for us because we were following this guy. And they're locked up in a room, terrified, sore afraid, perhaps. Maybe they were so afraid, it hurt. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Right? And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He said, peace be with you. It's really me. If we don't see that Jesus is really him, if we don't see him as really the Savior of the world, the God who created the universe, who came into a baby and then grew up, was crucified, buried, and rose again on our behalf, we'll never experience peace, this peace that transforms our pain into gladness. And then Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. So the shepherds were sent by the angels, and Jesus is sending us. He says, As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. He said, peace be with you. Go, be on mission. It's on purpose that you re- you've got peace. It's not just so you can go home and sit in your recliner and feel good. He said, you've got peace so that you'll be on mission and fulfill your purpose. And then he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He is with you, teaching you. He is reminding you. He's the one who brings the peace of Christ to your hearts. That's why the Holy Spirit is important, because without the Spirit, we just won't remember. He said, I'm going to remind you. How are you going to be reminded? The Holy Spirit's going to keep reminding you that I am your source of peace, and I'm the one that brings it. So, guys, so, you know, here we are. We get to Philippians 4. Everybody loves this verse. We all love this chapter. We love these verses, right? You know, anytime we're anxious, right, uh, Come on, and then we quote this. Here it comes. You know it. It's going to happen. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, that's a big, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do you hear how that sounds so much like what the angel had to say? Do you hear that? The Lord is at hand. He's in Bethlehem. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, experiencing your discomfort, experiencing your insecurity. Uh, come on. And he says, let your reasonableness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow. Isn't that what we need right now? Because sometimes our minds start going, you know, our minds start swirling. And when our minds start swirling, we've got to stop them and go back to who is this Jesus and what is it? It says, the peace that passes understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, peace is only found in the swaddled, resurrected Son of God applied to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. People, this is what we need at Christmas. Ah, 
This is what our friends need, our family needs, this peace. We need this peace. So look, if you find that you're at war with God in your sin, today's the day for freedom. This is your day for peace. Today, the peace of God is proclaimed to you. You have to surrender to this new conqueror. Jesus, the new conqueror, has come. And he says he's conquered sin. He sits in victory at the right hand of the Father. Sin and death were conquered by the birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus. There is no better peace to be proclaimed than that. So, when you go and you look at a little manger scene, it's all swaddly looking and cotton balls or whatever, you know, little fluffy stuff. Just know that that little manger was in the middle of a war zone and Jesus entered it on your behalf. Mm, come on. Just makes you just want to stand up and praise the Lord and be thankful. Oh, Christmas is what, five days? It doesn't, it feels like Christmas is like a year away right now. I don't know, you know, but I got this for Mark. I bought this for you, buddy. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Christmas is five days, but Christmas is every day because the peace of God has entered into our world through Jesus. So let's just stand and take a moment to just worship in that and glory in that. And if you're like, man, I just don't feel peace in my heart and you need to chat about it, come talk to us because we will. We will talk. We will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you. Hmm. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making Him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook.